The Downtown Vancouver Business Improvement Association is proud to support BIV's daily Coping with COVID podcast series. Thanks everyone and stay safe. Welcome to BIV Daily, our Coping with COVID-19 podcast from the newsroom of Business in Vancouver. I'm Kirk Point, publisher and editor-in-chief. Of course, many in our community have been really hard hit uh, from the economic impacts of the coronavirus. Women, particularly marginalized and lower income women, are really at the top of that list. So how does your organization serving them deal with this larger challenge? Address for success is one of our community's most prominent organizations helping women find economic independence for their challenges. And But uh, the challenges now have grown in the pandemic. So how do they respond? Amy Rochow is the executive director of Dress for Success Vancouver. She joins me now. Good to see you. Good to see you as well. Uh, these are not easy times. Uh, and, and my sense would be that the women you're dealing with, uh, hour by hour, are in fact um, some of the, you know, the earliest problem zones uh, of the pandemic, uh, those that need the help most, uh, most quickly. Can you remember what, you know, what job one was for you or what, you know, what idea one was for you uh, a number of weeks ago? Uh, well, yeah, so a, n- a number of weeks ago, we, um, we closed our office to physical programming on the 11th of March, which was a day after we opened a partnership with uh, Turnabout uh, Luxury Retail for our community thrift store. Um, and then we closed shopping and the economy two days later. Um, and so job one and idea one was uh, very acute. It was all of a sudden um, knowing that the need was going to grow, seeing the writing on the wall with businesses closing down, industries that were predominantly women focused in terms of their employees, shuttering their doors. Um, And knowing that there was going to be a simultaneous need for our services in terms of job services and um, being a trusted voice for our clients and those who were in ongoing programs with us. Uh, At the same time that I was facing retooling and we were facing retooling our organization to no longer have two offices and a boutique and a place where we could meet those clients in public. Yeah. Uh, and it, it very quickly came down to, okay, at this point I have five clients. I have my staff members that we have to make sure that they are ready to go and have the resiliency to serve the women who once we've all gotten over the collective um, gasp and inhale and we start to exhale and think, what do we need? When they start calling, how can we be ready for them? Yeah. You have a dual uh, a dual responsibility. It seems to me, you had the responsibility, of course, to your employees, you know, to your to your colleagues, but just outside of that is this very substantial network and cohort that is turning to you. So, how did you make yourself available? How did you? What what were the means you used when you're really you're not in your offices anymore? You're somewhere else, presumably remoting uh, remotely working. Well, so the we were able to pivot quite quickly technolo- technology-wise to working from home. 
we, uh, as a small, nimble nonprofit that worked with small margins anyway, everybody had a laptop. We were in crowded desk spaces, so we had already set our staff up to uh, not have to work necessarily at their desk um, yeah. if and when that opportunity took place. Um, and the other key lead was, aside from making the technology... I'm going to let my dog in really quickly. I apologize for this. Oh, this is the world we're in now. That's right. Um, so we made all, the technological... All, all, kinds of, uh, all kinds of animals are online stars all of a sudden. That Absolutely. So that wasn't... Uh, that was relatively easy for us. What was harder was understanding that we, our jobs were about to get harder and they were about to be needed more. So for me as a leader, it was about being a holder of calm for my staff and knowing that we had an obligation to our community and therefore I had an obligation to them to make sure that we could fulfill that. Uh, and we had collect a conversation about, okay, how do we help now and what will people likely need? Um, like so many other organizations out there, uh, fortunately, we watched our government respond pretty quickly. We watched our government start to roll out programs, assure us that they understood the needs Canadians were in and that they wouldn't leave us hanging. Um, and like many Canadians out there, I and women out there, I went, I have no idea how to navigate these. This is going to be a brand new world. And that is with a relatively high level of access to information and sure. a stable internet connection and speaking English as my first language. Um, the majority of our clients, we serve our newcomers to, to our community here in Vancouver and the surrounding areas. And so this could be their first interaction with our government uh, or first positive interaction with, with government if we need to be. And so we started to realize very quickly as our phones were, people were calling in, former clients, women we hadn't served yet, uh, were calling in and emailing us and connecting with us on our social channels saying, I don't know where to go, but I trust you. And you've helped me in the past, and I need help again. What a great thing, though, for you guys, right? Like, that you're actually trusted. It, it was, uh, there was a moment of gratitude to know that, that we, our last 21 years, have built a reputation in the community that we were people who helped. Um, what was key for us, though, and was the learning in that saying, oh, community partners, trusted um, navigators, are going to play a critical role in supporting marginalized communities who um, who are going to go to who they feel like they can trust and they're going to look to them for help. So we need to set ourselves up and we need to set our volunteers and I need to set my staff up to be able to answer these questions um, because they need answered. And so in the first few weeks of this, it was about working with clients one-on-one -on -one over the phone and training volunteers to help them navigate the support programs coming from the government to provide just peer support, connection, assurances that you'll be okay, or just an ear to listen to the anxiety that was coming. Um, and keep in mind that the women we serve are ones who were underemployed or unemployed to start with. Yeah. So they, you know, we're all in the same storm, but they were definitely in a, a, a much more rickety boat than the majority of Canadians and even the majority of, of, of other women who aren't faced with economic marginalization in Vancouver. And, and many of them would also have concerns about their families in other countries, right? Absolutely. So families in other countries, um, you know, questions. I remember a client who called in who said, I'm here on a student visa uh, and my daughter's here on a visitor's visa um, and I want her to be able to start school in the fall, but the schools are closed. Who do we talk to? How do I find childcare? How do I get my visa extended? Mm -hmm. um, 
And our response is, I don't know, but you should be talking to your MP's office on that. And so we made the connection. We connected them to their MP's office. We were able to refer, if you will. And so they they trusted that somebody there would take care of them as well. And those sorts of navigators and connections is what we spent really the first five to seven weeks of this pandemic doing in our community. Yeah, I mean, but you've got, as you point out, you've got 20, 21 years of history in the community doing a lot of this um, connecting service, right? Finding agencies, organizations, uh, you know, kind of a formal help. How much of the, how much has been new territory for you in the pandemic? Uh, so definitely new territory and that we're used to to a couple things in new territory. One, how we do it is new territory. We provided no online services before this started. Everything was in person oh. or events and uh -huh. so, um, or phone services. You had to come to our office or we went to the library and did a workshop together or, or something tangible, physical in the community. Um, and so we have pivoted our full services to be telephone, remote, online, including connecting volunteers to our individuals. And, you know, necessity, um, breeds innovation. And so something we've been talking about for a while that we should probably do happened overnight. Really for us, it was let's move our job retention program and have everybody meet online. Um, okay. Not everybody has access to internet or a smartphone. Well, I was going to ask, you know, it, you and I are on laptops right now, Amy, but you know, yeah. uh, that can't be the case. Early on, one of the things we did is we reached out to TELUS and they provided us with um, bulk smartphones that were paid for that okay. had paid for SIM cards in it that we distributed to clients who needed access. Um, and for those who couldn't get access to those because maybe they were further out, who couldn't pick them up from us in a physically safe way, um, we would act as surrogates um, to if they needed to access an online application um, or or get walked through something. Um, and sometimes it was so, so that was new to us because we had to find whole new ways to access the women who needed our help. Um, and the other thing that was new to us was really working with our colleagues in the helping sector, in the society sector, that government also relies on to serve Canadians and women in our community, and figuring out what they're doing now. So, you know, we've always had a partnership with um, a food program, and many of our clients were in that program. But immediately in the, in the weeks that this started, it was, well, their protocols have changed. How do we access... Mm. Um, that program. Uh, and it was clients coming to us saying, uh, you know, I haven't had to use a food bank in eight years since you found, you worked with me to find a job and, and I'm going to need to use it again, but I don't even know where to start because the phone numbers have changed. I can't just walk up to one and find out anymore. And, and, sure. and I also have a dignity around wanting to not be in this situation and help me through that. So it became a, a quick process for us of becoming a collator and a collector of information, of keeping up to date on what services were available and how they were available. Um, and of course, understanding that the women who were calling us on this were facing financial struggles, they were facing language barriers in many cases, um, they were facing access to reliable technology in many cases, um, on top of, um, you know, some of them facing access to not, you know, facing the difficulty of not being in the safest environment. Um, and understanding that if you're, if that is your foundation and now you have to deal with a pandemic crisis of health and economy, um, you really just need somebody who can calmly walk you through that and yeah. can help you build a plan and, and you can trust to have your back if things are, if you need to call them again and say, it's just not working for me right now. I mean, there are obviously 
physical properties to the services that you provide. But in this case here, have the mental health ingredients been even more important? I think they've always been important, but this has highlighted just how much we took the the safety and the trust net that we built for our clients for granted as part, we would do that as part of our other services. And so we, you know, went really into a radical simplification of that being the service we provided. So for example, when, you know, one of the, um, you know, it's the namesake uh, program for organization is we provide business attire to women who are heading into their first interview. I mean, yes, there was the benefit of the free outfit in that, but really what that was, was an hour with a stylist and a volunteer who got to know you, who shared your worth, who encouraged you, who you could talk to about your fears and your concerns and what else you might need and who would identify in that time for our client. Uh, we can, we can connect you to another program. I might be able to help with, um, you know, with, uh, you know, the food situation, or if you're worried about childcare, here's a, here's a contact we can, we can refer you over to at the Y and we can talk about childcare there. And so they would leave with an outfit, but really they left with a relationship with somebody who cared solely for them and the confidence that there was somebody out there who believed in them and, and someone they could come back to if they needed yeah. to ask more questions. And so we distilled our programs into over the phone and in the cases where it was possible video conference, like we're doing now, um, helping with women one-on-one -on -one and to create those connections. And at the bottom line, as you say, the mental health piece, just let them know they're not alone. Um, and it became a starting point for continuing to navigate these really tough waters that we've all found ourselves in. How, how are you, um, how are you working with women right now, uh, to deal with the, that isolation piece that has been, I think, so troubling for a lot of people that are in hardship. You know, the seclusion in some cases is deepening their difficulty, right? So are you, are you finding ways to get them together on group chats? Are you, are you trying to, you know, trying to do some socially distant events with them? You know, what, what are you doing to kind of bring that human connection back a bit? Absolutely. So part of our new program, um, uh, which does what it says on the tin called helping women now is, uh, is peer support. And so we do one-on-one -on -one peer support where this isn't counseling. It's not coaching. It's just the opportunity to connect with somebody to talk with, um, who maybe isn't in your immediate circle, who can be a bit of a fresh air and, and just help you work through some of those pieces. The other thing I think is really important for us to understand is the, is the majority of the women who fall into the category of clients we help who are unemployed or underemployed, um, if they are still employed, aren't dealing with that same kind of isolation because they're on the front lines. There are cashiers, mm. there are cleaners, um, there, uh, and so they're working in jobs that are considered essential. Um, and are you know the mental health part of that is about will I be safe enough to do this? I have to do this because this is my opportunity to earn an income. But. Uh, will I be safe while I do this? And so it's been a conversation around, you know, for us with our clients around making sure that they um, have the coping skills to deal with an increasingly stressful job if they're still working and understanding that the jobs they're looking for will may also be um, in sectors that aren't, that are, you know, vulnerable now. Um, and uh, working as an advocate in the community because we have a, a a privileged platform and voice to say it's so important that the individuals we deem essential workers that are in areas that are pre predominantly dominated by women employees 
don't become um, sacrificial. Um, you know, that essential jobs don't become sacrificial jobs. That mm -hmm. we don't assume that it's okay for those who make the least with the least amount of financial security to bear the brunt of the physical risk of this pandemic as we head into the next phase here in, in, in our community. And as Dr. Bonnie Henry reminded us today, um, the inevitable second wave. Yeah, exactly. Have you been able to continue any of that um, mainstay of work that I think we would all know Dress for Success being associated with, which is the, you know, bringing women into some space, getting them this, this uh, attention um, and, and finding clothes for them and then getting them off to their off to their job interviews. Has any of that work been able to endure or has that pretty well been put on hiatus for the time being? So our physical programming, including 100% of our dressing services, has been put on, on hold during this period um, because we don't know how to do that safely yet and it hadn't been safe to, to do that. Um, the providing that space of confidence building and helping prepare women for interviews who have them and helping them search in an increasingly difficult job market um, yeah. with the, the understatement of the last nine weeks um, has continued with remote programming through one-on-one -on -one appointments, through the provision of workshops. Uh, and in the first week of next month, as part of our next phase at Dress for Success, we're providing an online workshop, an online styling workshop. So how can you use what you might have, even though it's not ideal, to give you the confidence to go out or to do the Zoom interview or the Skype interview or, or the in-person interview that you may have? Um, given limited resources. So it's been for all of us about how do we use what we have um, and start where we are and how do we help our clients do that as well and maintain those connections and, and remind ourselves that while well, the last few weeks have been about an acute response to accessing services for safety and survival, where we need to look now is what is our economic response? As, you know, as economic first responders for women in our community, how do we help them in every way possible, be able to get back on their feet um, and give them every possible tool and whatever slight advantage we can through our services to allow them to, to be economically independent and showcase that resiliency. Because while it feels like the world has changed, that aspect hasn't. That is still our mission. And we still believe that that's possible for every woman in our community if we do it right. Do you have any sense yet, uh, Amy, about how how long the system of support that now exists might have to endure, you, you, you know, you, you know, and, and the corollary of that would be, are you worried that things are going to get cut fairly soon and that won't be reasonable? Well, here's, here's what we do know. We do know that this recession um, that we are in going into will continue to be in is different from other ones for women. We know that that the jobs that were lost first and quickest from pr predominantly belong to women. You know, one in a matter of weeks, one in three women who've been working in Canada either lost their job or had more than fifty percent of their hours cut. Yeah. Um, and we also know that the sectors that women predominantly work in are going to be the slowest to recover. So what I worry about is that in our uh, larger policy economic response to this recession is that we're going to treat all workers like workers, as opposed to understanding there has to be a feminist response to this. We have to understand the inequalities that existed and 
prior to this, and also the structural gendered inequalities that exist and how this economic recession is breaking down and will and we will recover from. Otherwise, it's a huge setback, right? Otherwise, it's a, it's, it can be a massive setback. Mm-hmm. And so we have to understand there's that women have fallen into this recession differently than men, and they will, and predominantly will, by, by and large, recover differently. The other thing that I think is important to, to mention on, on the point of do I worry about the supports not being there is that, you know, the the charitable sector, the nonprofit sector that our governments and our businesses and um, all of us have actually have relied on to provide so many of these services to marginalized and vulnerable populations in good times are at great risk of not being able to continue their jobs. And so Dress for Success Vancouver can be an example of that. We're a small charity and our, you know, we run it under a million dollars a year. We rely on volunteers and donors. And within two weeks of uh, the pandemic hitting British Columbia, I had reduced my budget by 52 percent and I had uh you know and that that hurts us in our ability to deliver programming for more women and so we had to restrict what we were able to do knowing that the demand is going to go higher and I share that because a reduction of our expenditure budget and income budget by 50 over 50 percent for Dress for Success Vancouver in the context of our charitable sector who's serving these communities is a good news story because we are, are eking it out. So many others aren't going to open their doors at the end of phase two because they're not going to have doors left open. And so in order for us to keep eking it out, it's, you know, more important now than ever that we realize that, that as a society, you know, the charitable sector isn't nice to have, it's necessary. And the work we do with women in Vancouver, in our community, our neighbors, um, the women who drive our buses, who clean our houses, who've sold us the clothes we love to wear, um, who are, you know, have been out on the front lines working for their families and are still want to be, um, we have an, we need to help them succeed because they're going to help our economy restart in ways that um, are so, so important. Yeah. So tell us a little bit here about uh, helping women now uh, and how people can help you. Absolutely. So helping women now, as I said, it does what it says on a tin. It's a series of programming that we have taken, we've pivoted to. It's all offered remotely, either by phone conversations or online workshops or call-in for workshops um, and one-on-ones. And we we help women who need help navigate access to government supports. We know they're out there and they've been great, but we also know that they're complex and that's a tough system to navigate and requires a certain level of access to technology. We help with that. We've continued to provide one-on-one coaching and career counseling through our trained volunteers to women who are looking for work and more women than ever are looking for work now and there's less work to have. So that service is critical uh, to give those women a leg up in terms of getting the interview and then once they have the interview, getting the job Um, and continuing to support women who have work in job retention programs. And again, because we know that the work that that women are most likely who are underemployed or unemployed are going to have access to is more dangerous than it's ever been. That job retention program, that cohort of having women who you can connect with from a social perspective and a mental health perspective to sustain you in that work is really important. So that's the name of our program. It's also the name of the fundraising campaign we've launched out today um, called Helping Women Now. And, And really, it costs us as Dress for Success Vancouver about $300 to put a woman through all of our programs. 
which is a steal considering the amount that it would take to go through all the government programs on this of our tax dollars. And so we really just encourage people to say, give what you can. There is no such thing as an insubstantial amount of money. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're grateful for every last bit of it. It's $30 for us to get a woman set up with a trained volunteer to do a one-on-one interview coaching or job preparation session or to help her find work. Uh, and the, the faster we can get women back into the economy and into the economy safely, the sooner they're going to be able to provide for their families, the easier it's going to be for all of us to transition. And, and that's what we're here to do. And, and again, if we're not doing this, no, there isn't another government program that is. And if we can't open our doors to do this and we can't afford to do this, it will fall onto the government. And, you know, so we're going to spend this money either way. We think we do it more effectively. And we would like to continue to do that for the sake of, of the women we serve, um, but really all of our communities. These are our, our neighbors, our sisters. These are the women who walk our dogs and who um, want to work, who want the dignity of self-sufficiency. And uh, we want to be here to help them. Well, you've done a great call to action here, uh, Amy. You, the only issue is you, you've left out the web address to, for people web- to go uh, are you ready? It's gonna, it's very complicated. Helpingwomennow.ca. That's not too difficult. No, right. it's not too difficult. We hope folks will go there. We hope that you know we can really work to sustain our own community. Um, it's going to take a village. And one of the beautiful things to come out of this pandemic that I've witnessed is the the patience and the generosity and the empathy we've shown for each other in understanding how our actions affect everyone else. Um, and I just encourage anybody who, if they can contribute, they do contribute um, because our actions in terms of the economy are going to affect each other too. Well, you're a great champion for this and uh, congratulations on the work so far. But as we know, it's, uh, it's what about mile two on the marathon? I think it's something like that. Yeah, absolutely. The, the prize for getting through mile two is going to be running mile three. And uh, it's only going to get harder for all of us really and uh, we want to be here to help those who it's going to be the hardest for. Yeah. Well, stay well, stay safe. We'll talk to you again. Thank you. Amy Rocho is the executive director of Dress for Success Vancouver. You've been watching Coping with COVID-19, our daily podcast from Business of Vancouver. I'm Kirk LaPointe. Thanks a lot for being with us. We'll see you next time.